What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Always So Podcast, a production of Willwood's Faith and Marriage. I'm your host, Dr. Mario Sacasa, and just want to pray for you today and hope that you're having an, an awesome, awesome day. Okay, well, joining me on the podcast today is Samantha Pavlok, founder of the website Femme Catholic. And in today's episode, we dive deep into talking about that website and the great content that they're putting out. They really have such a wide range of issues that they cover. I think I'm one of the few male readers who actually genuinely enjoys the site because I learn a lot from it. So grateful to be able to share it to my audience. So we talk about the website, but we also talk about them winning the OSV Challenge or being one of the three winners of the $100,000 prize. So really just a tremendous honor uh, that they won it. And we were able to, to get into a wonderful conversation about that. But we also kind of branch out to some broader topics, um, such as issues that the women face in the church today, um, challenges of finding the work-life balance, the importance of Catholics working in secular environments, and how the female body communicates the rhythm of life in an in, in inherent desire to to be able to let go of control yeah we get into some of those things too so please stick around and enjoy the show but when it is done please check me out on facebook or instagram at dr mario sacasa i love being able to dialogue with my listeners if you have any comments please leave them there direct message me any questions or comments that you might have as well as you'll also find some great content for you every sunday i'm putting out a regular reflection just brief words of thoughts of something related to culture or to faith or to the mass readings or something in my experience that I love to be able to share with you, my listeners. So God bless you all. Let's get into this conversation with Samantha Pavlak. Samantha Pavlak, welcome to the Always So Podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, wonderful. Well, I'm grateful to have you to come on. I know you're 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 busy. Uh, you're currently entertaining your two-month-old, as I can see. The listeners obviously can't see it. They, although she may, the listeners may hear little Catherine Edith kind of chime in throughout the episode. And if that's the case, then hey, praise God. Then, then we know life is life is going. But uh, I know that you're busy right now. I want to start off by saying first, well, congratulations on being a new mom. That I think is probably the most important thing that's happened over the last couple months. Um, but I think a uh, Maybe a, a second, or maybe a close second, or dis, probably dis, we'll say distant second, out of respect for for Catherine, is that you're one of the winners of the OSV challenge. Congratulations! How how does all that feel? Thank you so much. It's it's honestly a dream come true. Uh, we've been working, you know, Femme Catholic has been a project that God placed on my heart for many many years. Uh, we launched it five or six years ago, and and have been bootstrapping it ever since, but. Going through the challenge and, and winning and getting this grant is truly a game changer for us. And mm-hmm. we're just excited to see what God has in store. Well, I mean, certainly getting $100,000 is a nice shot in the arm. That's for sure. <laughs> like, <I> yeah. Mean, <laughs> it's, it's a boost for sure. It's a boost for sure. For sure. <laughs> it's it's it's, a, it's, a, it's nice. It's a nice little add-on. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but I think even just my understanding from from talking to many people who've kind of gone through it, a couple of friends of mine who were um, some finalists, some who were semifinalists, um, it just seems that the process was was really involved, um, but in a good way. I mean, really kind of a, a real vetting and not just a vetting, but a real um, encouragement of sustainability, I think, in trying to give some business coaching and um, the the incubator. What's the, what's the process? Accelerator, that's the word, you know process of being able to teach these different ministries like hey these are great ideas but th- this is how you make this idea something sustainable 
um, which is really just wonderful. I, I just think it's a, it's really <laughs> kudos to OSV is all I have to say. I think it's really great. What was your experience going through the, the challenge? I mean, how did, how did it feel for you and your team? Yeah, it, I think that what they're doing is, is awesome because, uh, I actually have a background in undergrad. I studied business and theology. Oh, wow. And so I've always had a passion for theology, but sort of an appreciation for the bones that business can give. And I love the word you use sustainability, um, to an organization because running an organization is no small thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and thinking about all the different parts of running an organization, not just who you're trying to serve or what you're trying to do and the need you're trying to fill, but then thinking through the, the marketing mm-hmm. and even the legal and mm-hmm. the operations and all those different things. So, uh, being able to go through the accelerator and they brought in experts from university of St. Thomas and then, uh, some other contacts that they had in the, in the Catholic business world. It was just incredible to pull from all of those people and they're sharing their gifts, uh, to support all of us, hopefully using our gifts to make the world a better place and, and the church. And it just really felt spirit led. So it was, it was pretty incredible. That's awesome. Praise God. All right. Well, so let's talk about Femme Catholic. Uh, you said you started about five or six years ago. Tell us what inspired you to, to start the website. Sure. So in 2016, I think it was from a Facebook ad. So that that's just my team and I have laughed about the power of <laughs> social media in all of our own lives. Um, but I think it was a Facebook ad that I saw for a Catholic women's conference that was going to be held in Washington, D.C., and I looked at the speaker lineup and I thought I've always had a, a heart for women's issues, I'll call it, or um, just women in general, but also I was raised Catholic and, and my Catholic faith was very much a part of my heart. And I wanted to go to this conference. It was put on by the Council of Major Women Superior Religious. Okay. So, I think of it as the class council of nuns. I'm not sure if that's correct, but I'm just imagining that this class council, all the head nuns, uh, they had received a grant from the Vatican to put on this, this conference for women in the United States. And you had to submit an action plan discerning your unique gifts that, that you had to offer back to the church and the world. So I really wanted to go to this conference and I thought, all right, what makes me unique? And what just kept coming back to me was my heart for women and this sort of interest in feminism and secular topics and combined with my Catholic faith. And I thought, you know, I really have a gift and and a desire to explore that intersection Mm -hmm. and just teach other women about that. So what I put in my action plan was uh, I, I thought it had to be really grand in order for them to accept me to this conference. So I, I wrote this whole thing about how I was going to start a blog and then, you know, throw a nationwide conference and, uh, which was definitely a somewhat of a dream of mine from a conference that I did in college, mm. but I, I wasn't sure that it would actually happen. Yeah. Um, oh. I think the Holy spirit knew, knew better. And so I was accepted to go to given, they paid for us all to go. And then I launched this blog and um fast forward two years in the holy spirit put the right people in place to have a conference um and then COVID hit and we have done some virtual events since then but the the blog has kept running 
And this community, I guess, has been continuing to grow. Uh, and now hopefully we'll get even more of a, an acceleration with this OSV grant. That's fantastic. So you said that it, the funny part of this was Facebook was what started this all. So the Facebook ad about the Strive Conference, you come up with these great ideas. You're like, man, I got I to gotta sell big. I got to sell myself big to be able to go on this thing. But it wasn't just big. It was like, it seems like this was kind of where your heart was, you know, in terms of like, if I could really envision what I would want to do, this is what I want to do is create a website, a blog that has meaningful content for women um, that, that of course, is, you know, integrated with the church's teachings and then being able to do uh, large scale conferences. And I think you guys have done a couple of those conferences. Is that right? Um, there's been uh, that that have been virtual. Is that right? One one is the women. Was it empowerment? Women sex sex women empowerment was one of them. I'm, I'm butchering yeah. it wrong. I'm sorry. And then the other <laughs> yeah, one was women like, uh, women sex and empowerment. And then we did a conference on rest and resilience. Rest and resilience was year. the other one. That's great. That's yeah. Great. But then the website you just recently have like relaunched. Is that right? Even before the challenge, the website kind of got a whole refresh. And and I guess the reason I ask is, you know, I'm, like, I'm a guy asking about all these questions or whatever. And and uh, but I think I first started. I think I first came across the, the the site, or maybe it was through social media, maybe about a year or so ago. And I was maybe I was interviewing or getting ready for a podcast where we're going to do something about marriage and, and sex or. Um, something in those, I was just kind of researching kind of like what was out there. And I think I came across the, the dear Edith, uh, questions that, yeah. that, that you guys had. And I was like, this is great. You know, just being able to, my understanding is it was kind of like, a, a reader can ask a question, but then a community of readers, if you're part of the community here is they take time to respond to the question. Is, is that, is that right? Or is yeah. it that you, your editorial team actually responds to the questions or is it a mix of both? No, it's uh, every once in a while, one of our regular writers, you know, if they think they have a great response or something, mm -hmm. they'll submit a response. But um, it really is meant to be an open forum mm -hmm. of, of people to share ideas. So uh, most of our Dear Edith responses are just from community members. Yeah. So I think it was that and I was kind of looking at it. And I was like, this is great. Look at these questions. This, this site's actually like asking these questions that are that are really, I guess, what I came to appreciate. And then even now in the rebrand, as I was kind of prepping for not the rebrand, just the, the relaunching of the new site has been prepping for, for our interview today. Just really appreciative of the, the that boots on the ground approach um, that you guys are taking is that it's really kind of like, all right, we're like, what's the, what is this? Like, if we're thinking of a site, this is me thinking it through, maybe I'm wrong here. But I guess let me ask you just kind of how, how do you, what what made you think of kind of coming at the right angle that, that you guys have been coming at? Let me, I'll, I'll ask you. So just yeah, my own no, thoughts I about love it. <laughs> Boots on the ground is a great uh, <laughs> phrase because I think, you know, a lot of it we're just pulling from our own experiences and the conversations that we're having with friends and, and family. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when. <laughs> uh, women are sitting around and questions that you have, but you have nowhere else to ask. And I know these days there are, you know, Facebook forums and things, but um, beyond that, there's just really practical questions sometimes that people have people in good faith who are trying to live their faith and, and uh, that they have. And I think it's important to just acknowledge the different experiences, uh, in life that women have sometimes, and obviously men and women have different bodies, mm -hmm. um, especially a, a lot of our content, right? Well, I, I forget, um, 
let's see, you said you were preparing for something on, on marriage or yeah, it was by, sexuality. I, yeah, yeah some, you know, it was something like that. That's, that. Yeah. that's where a lot of the, the, the questions come, you know, mm-hmm. are in on those topics because there's nowhere else to go really for a, a Catholic perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, in, in it, some of it is also kind of, I think as I was kind of looking at the site, some of it kind of manages some secular things. That's like, you know, how to unwind and and, and it just like, well, here's a couple of Netflix movies that we can recommend, you know? So, <laughs> so I love that it's like Catholic, but not like super Catholic. And, and, uh, in the sense that like, it's, it's attentive to like, what are just, how are people living? And, uh, and what are the questions that, that people are having in, 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 in women particularly, obviously, because it's a site dedicated to women. Um, but I think I just, uh, I don't know, deeply appreciate it. I think it's, it's something I, I've tried to do with, with, with this show as well is try to be like, well, how do we, how do we take these concepts, you know, of faith or doubt or, or, um, in, in struggle and just try to find genuine solutions, genuine answers to them and being able to give people a, a platform to be able to find, you know, answers that are, that are faithful, but are, that are intentional, that are nuanced, that aren't just kind of the, speaking the regular tropes either, you know, that sometimes are just kind of tossed around. Um, and I think that that whole milieu, I guess, is, is what I felt, you know, kind of looking through the site. Um, and it just seems like all that was done very intentionally. Is, is that right? Yeah, we, you know, like I said, I uh, in undergrad studied business and theology. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I've always walked in that tension mm-hmm. of being somebody who cares deeply about my faith, but. I do live in sort of the real world. Like I don't, I don't live in a monastery mm-hmm. where I just am surrounded by Catholic things and Catholic people all the time. Um, and I think theology informs a lot of the ways that we live our life, but there's also just very practical realities. Like life is not theology. Mm-hmm. Theology informs life, but that doesn't mean that, um, I don't know, a, a theological textbook can't give you every single thing you need to function uh, day in, day out. And so just bringing the truth of our faith into people's everyday lives and, and in particular, you know, women's everyday lives. Mm-hmm. Um, with, and I think it, it came from a place of a lot of things I was looking for and that our team was looking for uh, and that friends of ours have been looking for. Yeah, it, and that's right. I mean, like we can't all... We're now also, we're now called to go live in monasteries and just surround ourselves by Catholic things. Like we're called to engage with the world, and and I appreciate that tension. You know, as I I went to secular programs all the way with for for my education, and mm-hmm. uh, all the theology I've picked up, I've picked it up along the way, and, and I've been grateful for friends of mine who are theologians. But I, I love being a therapist, and I, and I love I love working with people, and and many of my clients are Catholic, of course, because I come from a, an integrated perspective, but some of them aren't. And, and I love being able to just try to hold the tension of the two and really seeing, okay, well, how does the faith re- actualize in, in the real world? Um, and that doesn't just mean in terms of debating theological concepts, which of course are important, but I'm, I've been more interested by, by that same kind of question of like, well, how do we take these things and how does this really apply, you know, into, into our current circumstances? So like for marriage, for example, like I, I studied theology of the body and, and went to the courses at the Institute and, and loved all that and received a great education from that. But I was always motivated by like, well, how do we translate this into couples who are really struggling? And so mm-hmm. then that becomes better, bigger questions. And I've seen faithful Catholics who know the theology of the body inside and out that are still struggling with their marriage because they just don't know how to communicate. And so sometimes these things are are wonderful and not that sometimes they are absolutely wonderful and they give a great foundation, but uh, but but we need more too. And um, and I think that, that we need more 
it isn't to take away from the brilliance of what our faith gives us in terms of theology or philosophy, rather it's the opposite is taking that and saying, well, how do we apply these teachings to this particular circumstance? And that can't come from the magisterium. That can't come, you know, from the top down. That's got to be us as as Catholics dialoguing with the truth and being able to say, okay, well, this is how we how we try and take it and, and approach it into into the circumstances that we find ourselves in. What do you think? Yeah. Exactly. You know, it, it's kind of the difference between theory and practice. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, I had a friend one time say to me, because I, I was saying, you know, oh, I wish I could go study women and theology and, and these kind of heady topics. And mm-hmm. she said, well, you know what, you, you've kind of got a PhD in in the practice, the practicum. Um, and that is such a big part of it. Like you said, we, we have all these wonderful teachings, but I do think it's a huge part of the church's mission to bring them down to earth, sort of, in, in that boots on the ground approach. Um, like spend the time with Jesus and then he sent the apostles out into the world and, and to meet people what, with what they're struggling with. And um, sometimes those things are really intimate, practical things. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. And, and we can't be afraid to go there and to have those conversations either and to be able to try to offer some light um, into the circumstances. So, okay, well, let's, let me ask you a question then here, okay? Um, so the, the site's called Femme Catholic, um, which is, it, to me, I guess I'm, I'm feeling, you know, that ter- sort of a, a, a quest for like a Catholic feminism is kind of at the heart of, of, of what you're doing there. Um, that's a topic that I've had, uh, female theologians on before on my show to talk about. And, um, and so, but I would love to be able to hear kind of your answer. Like, how would you define a Catholic feminism? Like, what would that look like to you? Or what does that look like to you? Yeah. I mean, so I think feminism is the a force in the world that has, uh, told women, they know how to, it's, it's helping women be free and happy and fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And, um, as as a Catholic, but also just as a woman who's looked into these things, I really do think that Catholicism offers that to women. Um, but as the world has evolved, there can be mixed messages on, you know, some of some of Catholicism's teachings are pretty radical and countercultural, <laughs> and so uh, especially some of the hot button issues like just. <laughs> she has some thoughts about um, it. That's right, Catherine. Yeah, it's, it's tough. It's, it's tough. She's trying to answer the women. question about what it means to be a Catholic feminist. I know she is. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and um, I just find it so interesting. JP2 talks about, or he, he calls for a new feminism. And it's interesting to me that he's written so many documents specifically on women. Mm-hmm. But where he calls for a new feminism is actually an Evangelium Vitae, the document on the dignity of life. Um, He says, you know, uh, women must rise up in the name of a new feminism and and reconcile people with life. And I guess what I take from that is a a new feminism is re-articulating for the world a vision of women's empowerment that is reconciled with life and with women's bodies and our ability to create life. Um, and obviously that causes, you know, hiccups or causes, uh, I guess not hiccups, but it it causes, it requires reimagining the way we do life Mm -hmm. and the way we approach life. Um, even, you know, right now I have my two month old with, (laughs) with us and, uh, yeah, if this was in person, you know, that's another element of of juggling her and, Mm -hmm. 
um, just making that work. But I think it's, it's part of our faith and it's part of the way God intended life to be. So, um, just dealing with the practicalities and the realities of women's life and our bodies and figuring out how, what does women's freedom and fulfillment and happiness look like Mm -hmm. in that, in that way. And the name Femme Catholic came from a place of wanting to articulate that uh, because I think many women not knowing or having that this hasn't been fleshed out when they hear the word Catholic, sometimes there are connotations that come with that or wounds that people have where somebody articulated what it means to be a woman as a Catholic in a way that it was lacking or was hurtful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the idea behind the name Femme Catholic is to kind of spark that curiosity that maybe there is a vision of Catholicism in our faith that truly is pro-woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and for us, that is the teachings of the church, but but helping people articulate that well and very practically. Yeah, yeah, that that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah, I, I did a, a, a recent episode. Well, it's the episode that's, it comes my next episode. So by the time this episode comes out, it'll be the episode before this one. But I was editing this morning with a, a friend of mine, Sarah Denny, who's writing her doctoral dissertation on one of these very female uh, Catholic, you know, heady topics here. She's her, her thesis is basically taking the thought of Margaret Sanger and the thought of John Paul II and trying to find the points of connection between the two. And so um, we had an hour and a half interview on. Margaret Sanger, John Paul II, and human freedom, you know, and what does all that mean? And sort of then reproductive rights and everything else kind of got tossed into the discussion. Um, that I think what you're saying, of course, John Paul II, what he's what he's responding to and we're calling for a new feminism is exactly that. It's not saying that, you know, we need to um we need to hold on to what's good and what's true about what you know, these different waves of feminism is, is, has been articulating while at the same time fleshing it out and being able to say, okay, there, 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 there is a real good that's being communicated here, but there's also a lack and that lack needs to be articulated as well. Um, so, and I think that's the place where people get confused with, I think sometimes is so they hear all the negative aspects of feminism, which there are some for sure. Absolutely. Um, but then they want to just throw the baby out of the bathwater and, and forget that, obviously, you know, a lot of employment status and trying to get, you know, uh, raising wages for women and and, and, and better family care and, and, and all that is, is, is part of what has come in response to, to, to these great efforts. But then on the other side, of course, we don't want to view babies as an obstacle. You know, as you talked about, there's, an, there's a practical reality here of having your two-month-old, but in no way would, would we ever say, I would ever say that you know, that she isn't worth it, you know, or that she's somehow <laughs> preventing you from, from achieving your, 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 your full human potential. Um, quite the opposite. It's, it's motherhood that I think, you know, fatherhood is where I find my fulfillment and, and motherhood I'm sure is, is, is where you find yours. And again, I know there's all sorts of discrepancies in all of that, but I think here, here, so here's, here's a quote that I wanted to kind of tease out for a little bit. All right. Cause I think this is, this is, this is where I think people get, get uh, hung up when it comes to kind of feminism. This was in response. I think I sent this to you, so so maybe you saw it already. But um, on on ESPN, I'm an avid sports sports nut, um, so I'm on ESPN probably too many times. I'm, I'm on ESPN, as you say, I'm on ESPN probably more than I need to be on a daily basis. All right, so I'll, I'll confess that, you know, publicly to everybody. Um, but in response to the Mississippi abortion law, uh, 500 uh, fem- mostly female athletes wrote um, 
a friend of the court briefing to the Supreme Court. And uh, Megan Rapino, I think this is the quote. Maybe this isn't her. Sorry, uh, she, she's quoted late in the article. But uh, but there's a quote here that the I guess the author of the article, taken directly from the the briefing, says something similar to this. It says the physical tolls of forced pregnancy and childbirth would undermine an athlete's ability to actualize their full human potential. And and so here we tease out the sense of like there is a truth that you know the 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 it's not equal in terms of the, the the weight of childbearing like i mean when we talk about equality it's yeah. not it's not there's not between what a man a, a man's you know contributions and a female's contributions to the birth of a new life are not even the scales are are are, are nowhere close and so there's no doubt that that there is a it's not even just no doubt. It's just the truth that there is tremendous physical tolls, and you hear stories of like Allison Felix, who um, had children here recently, and and uh, still was an Olympic medal athlete. I mean, it's unbelievable, you know, just how she can manage her her training in the midst of all that. And and you even right now, you're just having your baby and still doing you know the OSV challenges. It's it's really incredible. But I think this is the place where where I struggle with kind of the modern feminism, where I think it's sometimes it's lost, or secular feminism, I should say, where it gets lost, is to say that somehow your fertility gets in the way. I, maybe I'm reading it wrong, but I almost read it as saying like your fertility or childbearing almost gets in the not almost, but it gets in the way of achieving your, your human potential. And I think that's where that's where for me it crosses a line um, that I feel like it's it's there's a there's a misguided truth that's there. Um, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. It's I would say that a world that doesn't support children is what gets in the way. Right. It's not women. And that's where, at, you know, as even just from a secular feminist perspective, mm-hmm. I, I truly have bought into Catholicism and the view that mm-hmm. we need a feminism that preserves women's ability to be women and our the body, our bodies the way we are. Mm-hmm. Because this world, this idea that women can only achieve our dreams and our goals and our, you know, who we're meant to be, what we're meant to do. Um, if we stifle this part of our body, I, I really do think it puts us at war with our bodies mm-hmm. um, because one way or another, you're constantly trying to control fertility. Um, and it is, like you said, I think it's important to acknowledge women bear a different burden in our bodies. And um, it was very comforting to me to find a quote, Pope John Paul II actually acknowledges that too. He says that, you know, men sort of owe women a debt in the fact that women, that's that's biology. Women carry this different burden in our bodies. Um, I think it's also a different gift. Alice von Hildebrand writes about the gift that motherhood brings and the fact that you get to have this particular intimacy with a new life and have this authority over new life and and babies growing. Um, But I just think if we're going to, women will never be free in a world where we have to be at war with our bodies and and sort of choose between ourselves and our children. Mm -hmm. And so that's where, it, it's a both and of acknowledging the burden, but also the need for support. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember when I was getting, what's coming to story right now is that when I was in my grad school, like I said, I went to uh, secular programs. And so my, even my master's, this was back in 2006. And I was pretty vocal about my faith and, and, and talking about, you know, kind of what my, my, my stances were on, on things. Um, 
but back then I would say the cancel culture hadn't kind of really started. So people were a little bit more open. I mean, it was like you could actually have conversations without people feeling like that you're just a bigot or, 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 uh, shutting you off or something like that. And, and, uh, that, that wasn't the same one eight years later when I went back from a doctoral program. But, um, but anyways, at least in my master's, I felt like I could at least have conversations with people who, who thought differently than me without threat or fear, like I would be kicked out of the program or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. And and I remember this one woman who she was um, getting her degree because she wanted to be a sex therapist and and I think she uh, I remember like World AIDS Day her coming to class like handing out condoms and you know like <laughs> 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 the type of people I hang out with you know like <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but that's you know what that's the reality of the world I mean that's that exactly is the, reality the, of the, the world. thing that we have to be talking about these things for Catholics to to sort of find their way and to be speaking into. And even just living in the world and like Jesus loves her too, you know? <laughs> Amen. Amen. No, listen, I agree. I agree. And there was great respect. I mean, she, she obviously, and others did as well. I mean, like they, they would, you know, there, there was, there was, there was respect, you know, that was there, even yeah. though we had ideological or, or philosophical or religious differences, um, there was still respect that was there. And so, so this, this one woman who just wanted to be um, a sex therapist and uh, in out condoms, you know, on World Aid Day and talking about handing out pamphlets for Planned Parenthood, all, all you know, like I said, ideologically on the other side of the spectrum of where, of where I stood. Um, but she, I remember one time in class, we were kind of in small groups and, and I, I, my story is I, I, uh, my wife and I, we got married right out of college. We did two years of missionary work and then I started my, my master's. And I, uh, I, I started my master's degree with my wife staying at home and us having a five-week-old living in a city that we'd never lived in before. And so, so I supported us through the. No, we lived off of student loans um, for my first mm-hmm. two and a half years of of grad school, and um, and you know we were poor, but we made it. We made it happen. You know, we made we made it work. Um, but I remember like this 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 girl this is the point I'm a woman of the point I'm getting at. She said, I remember one time she was just she she was really distraught and, and crying in a session and, and and talking about this this war within her, you know, in terms of feeling that she can't she couldn't have it all. Um, and feeling that there was always going to be this tension between, you know, her relationships and her career and 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 motherhood and her career in some ways pointed to me and was like, listen, you you can do it all. You have the baby and you have, you know, you're in school right now and everything. And I was like, well, well like, like like hold on you know and I, I i've prayed for her ever since you know with ever since then because i i felt that tension and i know that tension is real um and i know that women certainly carry that in a, in a way that obviously men don't um but i guess even in my own life when i think about like the various ideas or desires or things i like to actualize what i've come to realize is that you can't do it all at the same time. I mean, like that's just an impossibility. I think for any of us, it's it's too tall of a task to to or too much pressure that we put on ourselves to think that we can do it all. I think that we I think that we can do it all. If, you know, in terms of what we're what we desire to do, but we have to be kind of planning and strategic in terms of when things actually happen. That we can't put pressure on ourselves to to be excelling at all aspects of our life at the same time. Um, but uh, but you're right when you're saying that like. The, the, the tension is there and we have to, but like, we can't just remove it. I think the answer isn't just like, well, let's just remove one aspect of this, um, whether it's the work side of it and just put all women back at home or the other side of it, let's just remove the fertility side of it. And then, uh, and then all women just have to be career driven. Um, I, I think it, the beautiful, what I've seen in terms of the church's teachings, and I think many people don't understand this is the beauty is that the church doesn't 
push one way or the other. It's really given that freedom uh, for discernment to fall in the hands of the couple, um, to be able to to make decisions based on, on what's right for them and, and the spacing of children and the timing of children. Um, this is why when it even comes to like natural family planning, I mean, the church says grave reasons, but isn't going to articulate what those grave reasons are mm-hmm. because it really leaves the discernment to the couple to be able to make those decisions in terms of when they're going to mm-hmm. welcome life into their relationship, into their family, and, and when they're not mm-hmm. because there might be situations like grad school, for example, that it may not be the right time um, that you need to postpone pregnancy or you might be in a season where finances are tight or some other situation. Um, but it's that those the trust ultimately falls in the hands of the couple to be able to make those decisions and what's best for them. And um, so thoughts. Yeah, it, we uh, you're bringing me back because we had our first in a one bedroom apartment uh, that was really more of a studio with mm-hmm. a small door, but it, it was a one bedroom. Uh, the door like had a big space at the bottom. It was like a more of a decorative door (laughs) um but i think it is tough and i think that in america in particular we are so we don't even realize how used to control we are Mm -hmm. you know now we can in this little box in our pocket we can know the weather and the, the have all maps you know we can go anywhere in town we we moved during the pandemic uh to a new city and i've just thought about like if we had moved here before MapQuest, I would have no idea where mm-hmm. I'm going mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause we're, we're in Pennsylvania now and like these, these hilly roads, you know, <laughs> we were in Chicago before and everything was sort of a, a grid system. Like you could mm-hmm. figure it out, but out here, man, you take the wrong winding road and like you could end up in another state. Yeah, like, <laughs> There's no U-turn it. for like 20 minutes. <laughs> oh no. I mean, it's, it's bad. So I've thought about like, just, we are so, used to being in control in all of these ways. And I I do think the Catholic life and the Christian life is a radical choice to acknowledge that we're not in control. Mm -hmm. Um, And it it does take a a sort of radical faith in a God that loves you and is going to lead you. Uh, But I think what I have experienced in my own life is that he will make a way for you to be fulfilled. And that when I try to control, control things, uh, it it is miserable. Um, maybe I might not realize it at first, but then you, you're sort of tightening the your hand filled with sand um, and it just all slips out and you're, you're sort of grasping at it. Um, I do think, again, women in our bodies and just the way biology works, we're a lot more closely tied for better or worse to that reality that we're not in control, mm-hmm. um, which is hard. I also think that you could, you could see it as a gift that I think, I think that's the reality for all of us. It's, you know, you could say that men are just able to be in denial more about it more easily, able to run from that reality, whereas women can't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you're, if you're fighting it, it can be tough. And I don't know, it, it, the reality of, um, again, it is a big burden that can't be understated, just the the challenges that can come with that. But, um, it is also a gift.
What's going on, everybody? This is Dr. Martin. I'm taking a quick break from my conversation with Samantha Pavlak. Just to encourage you to check us out at faithandmarriage.org. Right now, we are running a great promotion on Jason Angelette's Marital Enrichment Program, United in Love, United in Christ. And what Jason does so beautifully is that he's taken one particular comment that John Paul II made in his Theology of the Body that says that there are three things that are indispensable to a marital spirituality. John Paul II was very practical in his Theology of the Body in as much as he does cover some, some pretty deep philosophical things. But towards the end of that catechesis, he just offers some great practical advice to couples. And so if you want to know what those three things are that John Paul II is talking about, well, check out United in Love, United in Christ. Jason and his team have put together a wonderful resource to be able to uh, offer those points of advice to you, uh, as well as being able to just offer some great suggestions that hopefully you will enjoy. Six, It's a six-part series that you and your spouse can do on your own. Uh, it's available on our website, faithinmarriage.org. Yeah, only Catholic, I guess, would say like that there's value in 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 that, and because the fertility awareness based methods of um, you know family planning is is exactly that it takes into account that that this cycle is something that's not something that we should just stifle. It's not something we should just flatline. That this cycle is actually something that's quite beautiful and that needs to be not just needs to be. It's part of the woman's body. It's who she is, and so. Husbands need to be be respectful of that, and, and women need to be mindful of of these changes as well that happen. And it would be easier just to just take a pill and and uh, and just flatline the whole thing, um, and just turn the system offline. Um, but what at but at a great cost. Um, and I think that's kind of what we're what the church is is communicating is that that cost. I think we're going to be paying the price of, and 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 the the price will then be at the detriment and is at the detriment of women. So. So it actually isn't a, a real feminism; it's an anti-feminism um, when it when it emerges in 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 this particular you know light, and so it it really is a challenge, and it and it's difficult because, you know, my body, my choice. I I you know, man, it like some of these slogans are are really hard to kind of combat. Um, you know, you hear stuff like this, like these things, you know, are that pregnancy somehow gets in the way of of of, of a, an athlete's human potential. Um, I mean, that begs the greater questions of like, well, what is your potential? You know what I mean? Like, what is like, what does it mean to be human? Like, what is like, what is like, what really is your best version of yourself? Is it is it getting the 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 Olympic medal? I mean, as great as that is, I mean, like there's something so, so much more fundamental to who we are as people. Um, and and when we just separate our sexuality from from all this review, sexuality is something just cheap or um, um, it, we, we it becomes that it just becomes kind of a another form of entertainment um, rather than something that actually has weight and 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 uh, and, and gravity uh, which which the sexual arena always has no matter how we we try to dice it up so, yeah well and even uh, you know it reminds me of one of the first articles I wrote for femme Catholic and kind of reiterates why a, a woman-centered approach and just exploring these topics from from the place of looking at you know what really is best for women really truly because i i asked the question but i do believe after all the exploration that catholic church teaching is what's best for women but just re-articulating that um you know we're talking about natural fertility planning methods they move with the women's cycle but the other thing that they do is they really force the couple and men in particular to remember that 
there is the potential for new life here. Mm-hmm. And, and if that new life comes about, the woman is the one who, who sort of bears that burden, like we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I think it's a very feminist position to say, you know, it's better for women if we live in a world and, and we're having relationships such that when and if you are having sex, everyone sort of knows that like what could happen here because she's the one who's going to walk away from that in a very different position. And I think what's unfair about the contraceptive culture and what's so unfeminist about it is that, you know, with contraception, everybody can sort of turn a blind eye, but the, the stake in the ground that women have, if it doesn't work out, if the contraception fails, which we know it does, Mm -hmm. um, she bears that burden. Mm -hmm. And so it's really not fair to her to say, Oh, you know, we're coming at this risk free because it's not risk free for her. And, and it's, it's just giving this false impression and then setting her up for a world, uh, that's tell you know, now, like you said, where everyone's saying, well, yeah, because if you do get pregnant unexpectedly, you know, you can't achieve your dreams and you can't, you know, we're not going to make accommodations for you and we're not going to get creative about what this would have to look like. Um, even Allison Felix, I know, I believe it was her who gave $10,000 grants to other moms at the Olympics who oh, were really? bringing their children. Yeah, she, um, I forget the background of the story, but I know that after her experience, um, with Nike canceling her contract, being pregnant, or the, the sort of scuffle that they had mm-hmm. with that. Um, like she experienced that the world wasn't welcoming to her and her children. And it, I think that's exactly what Pope John Paul II was calling for when he's calling for a new feminism is for women to rise up and say, no, we're going to change the world to accommodate us and to accommodate children and to accommodate the female body that is Catholic teaching. That is an example of Catholic feminism. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you know, if the world made all of those accommodations, I think women wouldn't feel so threatened by the possibility of pregnancy. Yeah, I, I I firmly agree. And it goes back to again that question of control and 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 trying to make things as easy as possible, I guess, is, or as efficient as possible, probably be a better word. And, um, and as we've been talking about, the reality of the female body is that it just isn't efficient. There's a lot of moving parts that happen <laughs> every every month. And yeah, I remember, yeah. I just remember learning that when I when Chris and I we did, you know, our uh, symptothermal method kind of teaching back in the day. And I just remember, I just remember being like, your body does that every month, like every month, really every month. That's that's just crazy. And she's like, yeah, every, that's this is what it does. You know, it's a cycle. And I was like, yeah. I, I mean, I. I eat and you know, like yeah. I digest well, food and, and like that's <laughs> that's about the extent of like the, the highs and lows that that I experience you know like it's 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 just a different and so th- because because the body is you know this GP2 says right the body reveals the person then the, that there there's something spiritual that's at work in, in all of it that that I think going back to the point that you know that when we when we when we embrace a contraceptive culture it it it's it, it's a disgrace to to some some spiritual element of her sense of self. Also, there's something a deeper reality that we're trying to ignore. Um, that that you know will will we'll just it it will come back in full force. I don't know these these things are if they're true, they're, they're they'll come back. 
So yeah, I mean, no, life is so seasonal. And I think that's where, again, you know, in American culture in particular, we have a very, you know, maybe because of the the contraceptive culture, I don't know if it's chicken or egg here, um, but we have a very masculine idea of how to live life. It's a very, you know, we can plan it. We know what to expect. Like you said, there's not a lot of like unexpected twists and turns and cycles and seasons. And I think that the, what God is showing us through the female body is the cyclical nature of life, the the seasonal nature of life, the, the church herself has seasons, you know, the Advent season, the Lenten season, the ordinary time. Um, but just this idea that like life has ups and downs and you can't always predict and control every single piece and every single moment. Hmm. Um, it's, I think it's, that's very freeing and healing because it's true, mm-hmm. you know, it's true. And just for people to have that understanding in life that, you're going to, you're going to have seasons of life that are harder than others and that are dark. And then you're going to have seasons that are maybe a little more boring and stable and, uh, you know, are happier, but, um, it, it, there's a rhythm that God is trying to reveal about life through women's bodies. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's very well said. Cause that, that comes back to faith and trust and, and hope, you know, acknowledging our limitations and, and, and not being able to say that we can account for everything. And, and, and in some ways, you know, to be honest, I think that, like that's been for me, at least the big teaching, I would say, of the of the pandemic is I, I think part of the the reaction to the pandemic and, and what has become an incredibly political situation is I think we fundamentally thought that we were beyond this. I think that like we thought mm-hmm. that like the bubonic plague was something that happened way back when and polio we have vaccines for and the spanish flu had happened like we we like i think we just thought we we were we were technically past something like this kind of coming over our 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 society and uh, we've had to reckon with that and all of us in different ways and dealing with the humility uh that that comes with with uh with with recognizing that we're not always in control um and as much as we would love to have all these systems in place and and being able to do everything like we're not and uh, and unfortunately, I think that's what birth control has done is artificial birth control is, is it's 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 not embracing the woman's body, but rather, you know, trying to make her more manageable like a man and uh, and flatlining it, which then isn't again back to the thing that we've been talking about the whole time um, is not something that is genuinely feminist. So if we can just kind of let's go back to the site for a little bit. Right? This has been great. Thanks for thanks for that. That that kind of <laughs> wonderful <laughs> delightful conversation about uh about the 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 teachings I guess the 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 genius and the beauty of of what a woman's fertility can teach us about life. But I I imagine you know as as editor here and uh in kind of uh CEO is that what's what's your official title? The president, CEO, yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> head honcho, evolved, you know, top uh, boss. What, yeah. what, what, are, what are we using here as your as your, um, as your title, editor in chief? Uh. <laughs> yeah, I think my formal title on the website is uh, founder, CEO, and editor in chief. But uh, that, I think that really means I'm the catch all for all, yeah, yeah, <laughs> all yeah, the yeah, extra yeah. things. The, 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 the book I, stops here. That's who you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But it, together with your leadership team, I, I just imagine you guys, I mean, just in the conversations, have your fingers on the pulse of kind of what you're hearing with regards to issues that, that tend to arise um, with, with Catholic women today. So I know we've been talking deeply about uh, what kind of the work-life challenge, um, the you know fertility issues there as well, and, and kind of trying to f- navigate your faith in a world that, that, that isn't always open to it. But are there other issues, other things that, that, that come up that, that you find are, are, are really pertinent? 
Yeah, I think that um, we've we sort of danced around it, but mm-hmm. I would say that I think women are just trying to find their place in the world and, and in the church. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, so in, in secular society, that's coming out with women being very career focused, career driven and, and concerned about how fertility and how children and even marriage might get in the way of that. Because at the end of the day, we're all just looking for happiness, right? <laughs> like we all just want to be happy. Uh, we want to be, you know, free and happy. And um, if I think our gut instinct, as as humans that God made us, we're we're searching for our vocation. We're searching for that purposefulness that our vocation gives us. Um, but maybe without that understanding, totally, a lot of women and men, but um, women in particular, as of late, I think are searching for that fulfillment through their career. Mm -hmm. And so the questions will come in the form of, you know, well, I'm trying to figure out what major or what job or what uh, leadership opportunity or, you know, that's the focus. But I think what I have seen and even experienced is that really we're just looking for what is my purpose? What's going to make me happy? What's going to make me fulfilled? Um, and it's a little cliche, but I I do think as a mom, I can say, you know, there is this deep fulfillment that comes in being a parent. Um, and I, I think that's rooted even for people that aren't biologically called to be parents in caring for other people, like the, as human beings, that's how God made us. That's how he himself is a trinity of of persons, three persons. Um, And it reveals to us that we're made to be in communion with each other, community with each other. Um, So whether it's your children or or other people that you're sort of in community with, like that is what really gives purpose to your life. Um, And so not, not to keep harping on this, but I think that's where contraception is supposed to be this, freeing mechanism to to free you from your responsibility to other people mm-hmm. so that you can go be happy and mm-hmm. do your own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the truth, I think, is that you find happiness in in your relationship with other people, in your which is a sort of obligation, is a sort of duty to these other people. Like if, if somebody gave you a button and said, you know, you could just be in perfect control of everything all the time. That won't, that wouldn't guarantee that you'd be happy. Uh, and you certainly can't use that to cultivate joy. Like there's a certain depth of joy that we find in the unexpected and that in, in relationship with other people. So um, now I'm on a tangent. I forgot your original <laughs> question, but <laughs> that's it. all this stuff is interconnected. That's, you know, our faith that touches so many things in life. No, and we were talking about just in terms of what you see are some of the issues that are that are arising, and, and that question of personal fulfillment is one that it, it seems like it has has been on your mind and and on the mind of of probably your your readers as well. And, and I think it's 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 the right question in proposing then that um, our greatest fulfillment genuinely is 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 in our is in like you said is in our relationships. And the 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 theory that I ascribe to the most as a as a as a therapist is attachment theory, which from mm-hmm. a secular perspective posits the very same thing that it's um, in healthy relationships that we find uh, strength, that we find courage, 
It's in uh, healthy relationships that uh, we find security, that we find rest. And so that it becomes our, you know, we talk about like safe spaces. That's like a buzzword or whatever. Well, I mean, family is supposed mm-hmm. to be our safe space. I mean, that's like our marriage is supposed to be that. It's it's that when we have this secure attachment to other people, that's what gives us the greatest confidence then to be able to do the exploratory behaviors, the, mm-hmm. the risk-taking behaviors in an appropriate sense of the word. I mean, you, you see this repeatedly that the kids who are on the jungle gym, for example, and, and, and dad's there underneath them and they want to jump off the, the top ledge they only do that because they know they have somebody there to catch them you know like that's that's the way this works and so um so on one hand there, there's that element of it of that but on the other side of it as well it's it's that like our families is going to be the things that we're the most invested in and like whether i'm a therapist in 15 years or 20 years or not i'm still going to be a dad you know, mm-hmm. and, and hopefully still husband, you know, hopefully we're still around and we're together, you know, I'm still able to live yeah. in that as well, you know? So it's, it's, it's also, there's a question of like, well, like, like what can, what can, can work really be as fulfilling as, as raising a child? I mean, it, I may, maybe, I mean, I'm sure for some people who have very particular calls, um, certainly obviously celibates and the, the call that they have and even secular jobs, I'm sure there's some that when you, when you have a particular mission or, or call in life, uh, for sure. But uh, but for the vast majority of us, I I think that there is, it's in it's in these relationships because that's what we're built for. I mean, we're not we're not meant to be, we're not meant to see. And this is what you just said, like our family as something that's antithetical to our human freedom, or that like our our call to be parents as something that gets in the way of our happiness. Now, for sure, are there the days when I come home and my kids are all bombarding me and I'm exhausted and all I want to do is crack a cold one and watch a show or something, you know, like, yeah, absolutely. But (laughs) like, that's not what I want to do all the time. You know what I mean? Like it's, it, it's, it doesn't even come close to just going out and throwing the football with my kids or, uh, or teaching them how to grill or cut the grass or, or even now my oldest, my oldest is a senior in high school and, and and seeing him kind of on the cusp of being an adult, it's really awesome, you know, to see this young man who I, I, you know, formed him from the time he was born until now and seeing his character, how it's been formed and the lessons that we've been trying to teach him and him wrestling with it and, and testing it and, and, uh, and seeing him now, like as he's kind of moving on in his life, it's, it's just, I'm just really proud of him. I'm really, yeah. and, and, and as great as it's been in terms of the people that I've served through, through my, through my counseling, it, it doesn't come close, you know, to to touching the the weight that that comes from uh, from the fulfillment that I get as being a parent, for sure. Yeah, well, that fulfillment versus uh, just minor happiness, or even you know the immediate gratification of watching a show and, and hanging out, and obviously you need balance in life, like yeah, you of need course, that obviously. leisure time. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But it is that deeper fulfillment, and I think. Um, Sometimes you don't even know you're looking for it until you have it. Or, um, you know, I think you can go a long time in life just sort of filling yourself up with other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's why, to me, discerning the gifts that you have to offer, the, you know, many women have career gifts mm-hmm. that they are being called to offer to the world. Mm-hmm. Um or, or the gifts of organizing community. I think women are, are phenomenal at creating and, and organizing community in parishes and even just the secular world, book clubs and stuff, um, and bringing the people together. 
can be a way that women are living out their vocation. Um, but just, I think your vocation is something that ultimately serves other people, you know, greater than you versus just that self interested, um, goals. And like, I think we just also in all humility, you know, have dreams and goals and things that we want to do for ourselves. Um, and being open to the ways that God might be calling us to use those things for others um, versus just continuing down a path where like ultimately doing those things for yourself is not going to be fulfilling. Mm -hmm. Um, But, but it's kind of tricky and nuanced where I think you, you can start out or many, I see many women starting out and saying, well, I have these gifts and, and um, you know, this stuff makes me happy. But in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, um, I just think it's human to want community to share it with, whether mm-hmm. that's your family or other community. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. So we've kind of been talking about the, the church and the world here for a second. So just a couple final questions. I appreciate the time that you've given. Um, what ways do you feel that like Catholic culture has like helped our understanding? Or in some ways, do you think that there's pressures that women have that, that are facing um, because of maybe some narratives or, or misunderstandings of the church's teaching. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, we've been talking so much about the the joy of family life and women's <laughs> bodies. And um, I think that a lot of women hear that and do feel pressured, partly from, an, from maybe an older generation. Um, and just times were different. There wasn't enough flexibility and a, the ability to pursue motherhood and careers or, or jobs. Uh, but I think there are a lot of women who feel like they have to choose one or the other. Uh, they haven't seen a lot of examples of doing both. And I, you're starting to see more and more, but just for, for one reason or another, um, it's tough. And I think too that I do think uh, you can care so much about your children and your family that of course you're willing to do anything for them. Um, and some women are you know, almost too ready to say, Oh, I'll just devote my entire life to this. And, uh, this is the only thing God's calling me to, but I think God is more creative than we give him credit for. Mm-hmm. And he can open doors sometimes that, that even we can't see. And that's where I think releasing control and just being open, to the plan that he has and believing that he can make things work that only he can make that, you know, work. Um, for example, my, my day job, I work full time as a, a bank project manager. So that's my typical full-time job. Um, this you, OSV challenge. Even now you're, in, you're still a full-time bank manager. Uh, yeah, well, so I'm on maternity leave sure. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually had, uh, our daughter, Catherine, two days before this OSV challenge accelerator started. And so there was sort of this magic <laughs> that the Holy spirit worked out where right as this accelerator was starting, that um, I wanted and needed the time to lean into, mm-hmm. I was also going to be on maternity leave uh, and, and sitting in virtual classes 
was perfect because I'm just sitting there with my newborn on the couch. Um, a little sleep deprived, but but still just able to do it. Whereas if I had been my Just normal, turn the video off. That's all you do. You just turn the yeah. video off. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. You know, if I, if I was in my normal nine to five, that would have been a lot tougher. Hmm. And so I, I've seen that cyclical nature of my life, even doing Pem Catholic and, and growing a career in the secular world at the same time and constantly discerning like, hey, God, what is that supposed to look like for my family? And um, it's it's an adventure, but God has sort of made a way and, and these different seasons of each step. Um, but wh- when I get tempted to try to control it, it's a lot harder and mm-hmm. more painful mm-hmm. <laughs> versus just trusting and continually discerning, okay, God, you know, what's next here? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so maybe that sometimes that's the challenge is that like, as we're saying that, um, there's a lot of creativity and this is the beauty of, of really when we understand the church's teachings in terms of like the lay vocation, the different vocations are meant to be different expressions. At the end of the day, like mm-hmm. God's calling us to 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 the vocation of love and how is the best way that we are called to love. But then even within these particular vocations, there's something individual and unique about our life and our circumstances that I think Peter Crave talks about it this way, which I love is like we look at the Ten Commandments, they're they're there for sure. But but that's meant to be kind of like parameters into this massive sandbox mm-hmm. that we have the capacity to play in and our ability to discern and to choose the life that we want to live. Like you've been talking about now, like with Femme Catholic, I mean, um, it's been inspired for sure as you're talking about it, but it's not like God has like taken, like taken over your body and like possessed you in a way that's like, you got to start this <laughs> and you got to, you know what I mean? Like sometimes we think it's like, yeah. like this kind of weird kind of Geppetto that God is kind of, kind of pulling us along on the strings of life that's not it's not that it's that we cooperate with what our desires are what our interests are we put feelers out we take risk we try these things out and then we kind of have to have the faith to be able to trust that you know he's going to work it out and uh and sometimes that takes time and and sometimes that takes real sacrifice um and and sometimes that means that we'll be surprised like what you're talking about right now which is it's actually it was actually easier for you to manage the six week accelerator course having had the newborn than it would have been if you were so full time at the bank. But because you've been on maternity leave, like you can just you can do it, you know, without having yeah, to worry about I can juggle it. <laughs> clients or, you know, employees or other things, you know, other meetings that that would have conflicted with it. Like it just you're able to juggle it and, uh, and, and no problem. Um, so I think that that sort of creativity or um, is 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 one that is ours but certainly is one that belongs to God. And uh, and that's the place of humility always that we find ourselves in, to have to trust and, and believe that that he will in fact guide us. And um, and that's hard. I mean, like that's, yeah, because sometimes we wait a long time, you know, for our desires to come to fruition. Yeah. And my heart goes out to a lot of couples that are infertile or, or single women um, that are in their late 30s, you know, early 40s or single men who are in their late 30s or 40s and that are praying and they're praying and they're doing what they feel like they can do. And, and God still isn't seemingly answering those questions. Um, and so I'm not making any light of it. You know, I'm just saying that that we don't believe in a, in a, in a health and wealth prosperity gospel for sure. But we do believe in a God who does love us and does care for us. Um, and and we do believe in a God that also challenges us. Uh, to to pursue the things that he puts on our heart and that the pursuit mm-hmm. of those things it 
can be often the pursuit of him too. Um, and that it's not always running conflict with one another. And so, man, it's, it's a juggle, you know, kind of putting all this out there. (laughs) Well, I've, and I've always felt that, uh, well, I guess I should say, I, I haven't always felt that, um, I've questioned that for a long time. I mean, so I said, I went to this, this leadership conference for women and that's when I started to Catholic, but, um, I applied to the conference and then I found out like a month later that I was pregnant with our first child. And I thought, Oh, well, okay. You know, and then they accepted me and I, I went to the conference a couple months pregnant. Um, but I thought, well, there's no way that I, I can still do a blog or like, I, you know, I'm going to be a working mom. I'm going to have a baby. And, and I also thought, you know, that now motherhood was my sort of full all encompassing vocation mm-hmm. and that, that, you know, obviously was all God had planned for me. Um, but through through a couple of different things, including the the nuns who put on the conference, following up with me and saying, you know, where is your your plan? You said you were going to do this. Um, so just the power of community and, and accountability mm-hmm. there. Um, I said, okay, fine, I'll launch this this blog. Um, but then that seasonality in my life, when I went back to work after maternity leave, my first, I didn't have time to write posts. I'm a very slow writer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and, and God says, yeah, that's what you kind of realize <laughs> you want to write it. It's, it's, it, there isn't some magic trick that like makes anyways, I'm sorry, keep going. I mean, you know, it's, it's a gift. It's truly really a gift. And that's where then these women who there's a lot of women who have discerned to stay home with their, their children and, but they love writing and they want an outlet. And so I actually sort of stumbled across these different women who had reached out to me and said, you know, I'd love to write for your blog. You've started this thing. I don't want to deal with the website and the technical piece, but like, could I write for you? Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, that would be a huge gift to me because I'm, I have to work this nine to five. Um, and that's where the contributor based piece started. And so now Femme Catholic, I think was always meant to be and really flourishes as a, a platform for many different voices for women to share both their questions and their advice. Like you were, you were saying in the beginning, uh, with dear Edith. And so that was such a gift to me, but I've had these seasons of, um, even then when we decided we were going to try to put on a conference, I found out like two weeks later that I was pregnant with our second and, you know, I'm thinking, okay, God, here we go again, let's do it, you know? (laughs) And then, and so I think that in my life, God has really tried to, to show me this lesson that, you know, he is creative in how, and how this is going to look. And, he's not bound by the limits of the world or the expectations that, you know, this is how you grow a career or this is how you have to be this perfect sequential one, two, three step that I'm in control of at all times. Like God just laughs and says, you know, my plans are bigger than, than that. Um, but it does take an incredible amount of trust and it's easy for me to look back now and say, Oh, this was the plan all along, you know, but like, my husband can tell you the times I've cried about how it wasn't working or it was too much or this didn't make sense or, you know, it's not that easy. And so um, I think that's something too that informs Femme Catholics content. We really want to share some of those more raw and vulnerable pieces and those raw and vulnerable questions or stories that, you know, we didn't have it all figured out and we don't know what this is going to look like. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the messiness Mm -hmm. of life that we're all navigating. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. It's beautiful. And thanks for, for, for sharing your story there. Really spectacular. I'm sure for many people to see 
the the dips and turns along the way. So, uh, kind of as we're bringing this thing to a close here, what's what's next for Fem Catholic? Uh, well, we are just really trying to discern our next step um, with this grant, and we want to grow our content to meet reach as many women as possible, obviously, uh, and be a resource for them. When the pandemic, you know, seems to settle down, we we definitely want to bring back our annual conference, our in person events. Uh, to come together in community, but um, in the meantime, we're we're online and continuing to take questions and and hopefully serve women there. Fantastic. The website again is femcatholic.com, and we have a a weekly Friday newsletter uh, called the Insight, where we're just giving people a Catholic perspective on a current event every week, and then a few different. Uh, secular and Catholic things that we're either reading or watching or listening to uh, that hopefully help people integrate their faith with their life. Fantastic. So if they want to sign up for the newsletter, they can do that on the website? Yes. Fantastic. Fantastic. All right. Well, we'll have links to all of that in the show notes for people to be able to access. Um, as well as checking out their uh, Instagram and, and and page, which I think is one of the ways that I've discovered you guys was well, so again through social media. Like you said, it's it's so yeah. funny. How, <laughs> as much as we derided, you know, it's like there is good that does come from it. You know, like it's, yeah, like, God's working it, in all all places and spaces, <laughs> one way or another. So, Samantha, final question: I Ask all of my first time guests, uh, what gives you hope? Uh, um, I think that women just the diversity of women and the creativity of God that I see in women's lives gives me so much hope. You know, like I said, my own story um, has been a really interesting one. And I think in all all of our stories, God is so much bigger and more creative than we expect. Uh, So just watching for those surprises and those winks and nods um, give me a lot of hope. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for sharing that. Well, Samantha Pavlak, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. God bless you. Thank you. Well, praise the Lord. There we go. Another episode is done. So truly grateful for Samantha Pavlak joining me on the show and being able to get into this conversation about broader issues that women face in the church, as well as having the opportunity to share some of the great things that they're doing on the website Femme Catholic. So now the show is done, please, I encourage you to check me out at Dr. Mario Sacasa on Facebook or on Instagram. As I said before, it has some great content there waiting for you to be able to encourage you on your faith journey and on your relationship journey and continue to pray for us. We're working hard on this dating series, the Dating Well series that I'm looking forward to being able to share more information about here in the coming weeks. So keep that project in your prayers and thanks so much for, for listening to today's episode. God bless you.